0: Welcome to Growth Mindset University. My name is Jordan Paris, 21 year old author and host of this show. And with this show, you and I will embark on a journey to learn the things that we should have learned in school but did not, so that we may take control of our lives while fulfilling our vision of success. Each episode will feature a brand new lesson and now it's time for today's lesson. So put your thinking cap on because school is now in session. All right. My guest today is Daniel Geffen. Daniel is a serial entrepreneur, best-selling author, and host of Can I Pick Your Brain, the podcast. He has over 250,000 downloads, and he's had guests like Tom Bilyeu, Seth Godin, Jay Abraham, and so many more. And he's a father of five as well. Daniel Geffen is the man. He's here today. Daniel, welcome to Woo-hoo! the show. <laughs> Heck yeah, Dan. So you've had guests like Tom Billu, right? <laughs> As I just mentioned, how do you go about building these relationships with these with these people and and getting them on your podcast? It's quite fascinating.
1: Uh, the the real answer is slowly, <laughs> a lot of patience. Um, I started my podcast three years ago and when I first started it, I didn't know anybody. In fact, I didn't even have a Facebook account or an Instagram account. I wasn't on social media at all. I had a a traditional offline business. I I launched a a call center business, very boring, very dry, you know, not sexy at all, but, um, scaled it up and, uh, and it was a successful business. It's still running today. Um, but I I didn't have any connections on the online space. I didn't know. I didn't even know what an influencer was like back then, you know? Um, and so when someone invited me onto their podcast, it was really funny because I remember saying to them, what's a podcast? Like I had no idea. And he said, oh, it's, uh, it's basically like radio, um, but it's like what YouTube is to TV or Netflix is to TV. So I thought, wow, that's really cool. I've never been on, on a radio before. I've never spoken to more than, I don't know, 30, 40 people in my life, right? Um, and so I thought it was really cool. And next thing I know, I've got my headset and I'm in my pajamas in my house in Israel, and I'm just sharing my story, you know? And I literally fell in love with the mic. Like I was like, oh my god, this is so cool! I love doing this. This is amazing. Me right? too, man. <laughs> right? Isn't it cool? And and the yeah. thing is, is I'm like, it's weird because with podcasting, you're talking to yourself. So like, I'm right now. I'm in a room and I'm looking at the wall. I mean, I could see you because we've got a video on. Most podcasts aren't video, so it's audio only. And so here's this guy who's hosting this show. I don't know where he was. He was somewhere on the other side of the world, and. I'm sitting there and I'm just talking to the wall, right? And we speak for about an hour. And at the end of it, he's like, okay, that's a wrap. And I was like, oh, I thought that was 10 minutes. And he's like, no, that was an hour. I was like, wow, I can keep going. Um, And then I said to him, so how many people were listening to that? And he said, roughly around over a thousand. And like, I almost fell off my chair. I'm like... (laughs) What? You're telling me I was speaking to a thousand people? Oh my God, a good thing you didn't tell me before. I would have wet my pants. Like, it's like crazy. Like, this is, this was so new to me. And, and then I said to him, like, where are these people? And he said, oh, they're all over the world. And he starts listing countries like China and Japan and Australia and America and Canada and, and, uh, you know, Europe. And I was like, are you joking me? You're telling me that I'm sitting here in my pajamas talking to over a thousand people all over the world, um, and and so that's when I made the decision like I need to get into podcasting, like I need to go all in on this thing. Um, so that's how I started. And then when I started my first, when I started the show, um, like I said, I didn't know anyone, so I just literally asked some friends to come on my show and I started just interviewing friends. It was like really weird because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how, what, what kind of questions to ask them. I, I was just like having conversations like I would with a, with a, with a friend. Um, and like fast forward three years and because I was consistent and I kept at it and I kept producing and I didn't really care about the numbers because I was just having fun, right? Um, now I've interviewed billionaires. I've interviewed New York Times bestselling authors. I've interviewed... The smartest man alive, which was insane. Um, Who's that? Uh, his name is Walter O'Brien. Oh. And he has an IQ of 197.
0: Wow, so literally uh, the, the smartest guy alive.
1: Smartest man alive, yeah. And he has a whole crazy story of how he hacked into NASA when he was 13 years old from his bedroom. And then they came to arrest him and he was untouchable because he created a legal document that uh, they couldn't. They couldn't extradite him because he was in Ireland. A crazy, crazy story. I'm telling you, I was on like shows with these people th- and sometimes I'd pinch myself thinking, how am I speaking to this guy? And then they became friends of mine and I kept a relationship with them. And and so my whole, it's been a complete life changer for me because now my network is just totally blown up um, and it's all because of me just getting into the podcast space and, and podcasts has just been like, you know, right. It's just totally blown up over the last few years.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you mentioned, uh, continuing the relationship, which is incredibly important, but how do you go about establishing the relationship with high profile connections?
1: So it's a game. That's the bottom line. It's basically you're playing a game, okay? And if you if you imagine how how would you play a regular a regular game on on? Uh, uh, oh my god, I'm going to embarrass myself now because I don't know what the names of the games are because I'm a 36 year old oh 35 with five kids and my wife doesn't let me play video games because otherwise I wouldn't actually get anything done. And so, um, me too. <laughs> but give me an example of, I guess. What, what whatever's a cool game out there, right? So you go on a game Game Boy, right? Back in the day, I'm gonna, you know, Nintendo, whatever it was, and you start with the first level, right? And the first level's easy, right? You go you go through the, through the level, and then you get to the end, and then you got the big bad guy, and then you once you beat the big bad guy, you get to the second level, and the second level is slightly harder, but it's still manageable. And as you progress, you get to the next level, and you unlock the next thing, right? Um, and sometimes, depending on the game, you you also unlock more resources. So, so the more um, you play the game, the more resources you you start to have, which means that you you you, you know you're more um, you're able to play better. You're able to do more. It's um, so the same thing with with getting guests or with networking, right? You start with level one, which is it's a low level, and and then you start to unlock the next level. So with guests. You know, I started with my friends. Those were easy, right? And then I started getting people who were a little bit harder to get. Not B level, not C level, not necessarily D level guests, but like but still some people who were like slightly out of my range, right? And you've got to always shoot a little bit higher than your comfort zone. So go a little bit out of your of your immediate network and then leverage the connections that you have. So the more connections you build, the more you're able to ask them to refer you to to other people that they're um, connected to. And it just like it's a snowball effect. That's how it works. Because once you know one guy, you now unlock his whole network, right? And then once you are introduced to his network and you start networking with them, then you're unlocking more networks, right? And, and you could see how this could just totally multiply and the, the next thing you know, you're just... I mean, I'm pretty much... I don't want to sound, it, it's not coming from like arrogance, but I'm pretty much connected to almost almost anyone you can think of. I'm not that far away. I'm not that many connections away from them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's the degrees of separation becomes much smaller and much less the more you uh, network with people. That's how it works.
0: Yeah, I agree. I sort of operate that way as well. But at the same time, man, I know so many people that know Tom Billu that have had them had him on on the show mm-hmm. on their show. But it's not as simple. You can't just go, "Hey, man, can you introduce me to Tom?" Like
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, I, I feel like that's the that's the short game. There, there's definitely a, a right way to go about it. What's the right way to go about that, Daniel?
1: Well, I mean, let's say someone came up to me and said, Hey, can you introduce me to Tom? So here's the thing I'm not just going to go and introduce anyone to Tom because, you know, I built that relationship with him. And just like I wouldn't want someone abusing his relationship or her relationship with me, I don't want to abuse my relationship with him. Right. So there's certain, I guess, rules, right? There's certain rules that you have to play by, just like, in a, again, like like in a video game, you've got to play by the rules, right? Sometimes. Um, and so first, the first thing I would do is I would make sure that they're giving value to him, right? It's not a one-way street. If you want to network with people, the problem that I see all the time is, is I have, you know, you have people who Just want to take. They just want to, oh, introduce me to this person. Oh, can you do this for me? Hey, can you share my post? Hey, can you? And they're just taking, 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 but they're not giving value. And the key is to give value first. So if you want an introduction, first of all, you know, make it easy for me to make that introduction by giving value. What can you do for Tom? What is it that, you know, if you don't have a big network, so, for example, if you have a big network and if you've got a big audience, it's much easier because obviously then that's the value that you're bringing to the table, right? Hey, yeah. Tom, I've got this you know, good friend of mine. He's got a massive uh, social network. He's got a big audience uh, listening to a show. He'd like to have you on the show. Boom. It's easy because... You know, there's value there. You're giving him exposure to all, to all to to that whole network. But if you don't, so then you've got to think, okay, what else can I give? Then there's got to be something else that that you can give value. Um, it's too many people are trying to take the shortcuts, and they don't work. It just doesn't work. People are looking for that that secret magic pill that it doesn't really exist. And even if you um, somehow manage to play the system. You're gonna burn bridges, and you're gonna burn relationships. And the worst thing you can do is is uh, you know, ruin your 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 reputation because your reputation is everything. The reason why I'm able to make introductions like I do and get people booked on on big podcasts, which is what my company does essentially, is because of the relationships that I have and because I. I really value those relationships and I'm very, very careful with making sure that those relationships and my reputation doesn't get ruined.
0: Yeah. It's like, you know, the amount of people that will reach out to me, like friends, it'll just, you know, they'll, they'll hear about this guest I'm having on or that I had on. And as soon as they hear, they're like, yo, Paris, can you introduce me? <laughs> like, I laugh at them. It's like that, that's the shortcut, man. It just, it just doesn't work man like what have you uh, it, it's like it's like be, uh, being a taker man you know the difference between being a giver and a taker um, and but then there are people that play the long game with me and offer like any sort of way like any way they can find to help me and it's just and it makes a world of difference and it makes me want to help them so it totally makes sense what you are saying Daniel now about continuing the relationship what are a couple of things that you do after, say, the interview to continue the relationship?
1: Uh, well, the first obvious uh, thing is, is just to keep in touch. And that just means making sure that, you know, every so often you reach out and just say, hey, you know, how's it going? Um, you know, what are you up to? Is there anything I can help you with? That's, that's a very simple one. Um, the other thing is to follow them on social wherever they are. So if they're on Instagram, if that's their favorite place to hang out, then, you know, follow them there and uh, make sure that you are engaging with their content. It's a very easy way to be able to keep in touch with a lot of people without necessarily needing, needing to spend a lot of time. Um, you just, commenting, you could be, you know, liking their stuff. You could tag them in posts that you, that you do giving them a shout out is really cool. Um, the other thing as well, which I love doing, uh, because this is a win, win, win situation is I love doing introductions. So let's say I have, um, Badris Kulian. Okay. Badris Kulian is, um, so the, he's the founder of, uh, fit, uh, fit body bootcamp. There we go. Yep. Um, and, you know he's got a crazy story he was like 8 years old communist russia his father would throw him into a dumpster to take out the food and his mom would peel off the you know the peels of the of the food from the dumpster and that's how they ate and today he's like you know he's got i think it's 150 different um uh, franchises it's like huge right um so someone like him I keep in I keep him in mind and then I had someone called um Aaron Singerman who runs the he's the founder of the fastest growing supplement sports supplement company in the world right and I just kind of mentally made that connection. In my head, I'm like, oh, okay, these two guys should definitely meet because they can do a lot of collaboration together. They have similar backgrounds. They both come from a really tough upbringing. They're both in the sports and health and fitness industry. They're both jacked up. They both look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? So I figured, great. And so I reach out to Aaron. I'm like, Aaron, you know, you, I, I'd love to introduce you to this guy called Baderus and I gave him a little bit of details. And then I went to Baderus and I'm like, Hey Baderus, by the way, there's this guy called Aaron Singerman, just had him on my show. Really great guy. You guys should definitely connect. Now it takes me like literally 60 seconds to do an introduction like that. But now you've got these two guys who are huge in their industries and you've become the matchmaker. And so they're going to remember that, right? Cause you've now made that huge connection for them. It's really easy for you. It's a win-win-win situation. Everybody wins, and it's a great way for you to really build your network by by giving.
0: Hmm. Hmm. I love it, Daniel. Thank you for that. I mean, that's of I mean, me personally, that's going to help me a lot. Now, I want to go with a sharp pivot here. Why the heck do you live in Israel? What, what brought <laughs> you to there? Because you were born in. Were you born in England? Is that correct?
1: The accent gives it away. Uh, born in England, um, got very tired of waking up to grey skies every single day and having cold winter weather for about ten months of the year, um, and ended up actually finding a girl from California, from LA, and I married. Uh, we got married. Uh, it's a long story, but uh, basically, I I flew to LA completely uh blind like i had no idea i didn't know anyone there never been to america before um but i met lauren in israel funny enough she was there on vacation i went to israel to study um i was studying to become a rabbi and um wow yeah right no there's a lot of i'm
0: jewish by the way i am jewish oh cool yeah Um,
1: I, i had a bar mitzvah and everything yeah nice yeah. very cool you got a lot of money <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: from, from that day i did yeah <laughs> it, you know it gave funny, me
1: yeah. that start in life
0: man it's been it was invaluable like ridiculous
1: <laughs> wow one of one of one of our clients uh, a guy called brian burke um he for his bar mitzah, he bought uh he took all of his bar mitzah money and he bought apple stock and it was two dollars two dollars a share oh Dude,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. Even, if, even if I would have done that after my bar mitzvah, yep. that would have been invaluable. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know,
1: certain things that you just want to kick yourself hard. Um, but yeah, basically, I mean, he pretty much doesn't need to work a day in his life. Um, and he still has this uh, this online um, e-commerce platform called sellyourmac.com, where basically you can sell, uh, you can exchange your Macs or sell, sell any of your Apple products. Dude, Brian, if you're listening to this, I'm giving you a, a little shout out over here. But the point of the matter is, is that um, we're all jealous of him because of his bar mitzvah spending. Um, anyway, going back to, to what I was saying. So I ended up uh, flying to LA and then continued dating um, her name's Lauren. And now 12 years later, we're still married uh, with five kids. Oh, so what happened was we moved to LA, um, cut a very long story short, um, I went from earning six figures to essentially 2008, wiping me out completely, uh, burnt through all of our savings. Uh, We had our first child and we were evicted. And essentially we were told to, you know, go on the streets and we had nowhere else to go. So we moved in with my in-laws, which is really tough (laughs) as you can imagine uh, for anyone listening who's married. Uh, Living with your in-laws is, never a good idea so um we ended up moving back to london um and i ended up working for my dad who had a grocery store and i hated every single minute of it and i did that for a year and then uh after about a year i went home and told my wife that if i had to serve eggs and milk to another person i'm going to shoot someone so i need to do something else (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, and that's when my wife turned around to me and said, "You know, I really believe in you, and I think that you should start your own business." Uh, and so I took the plunge. I quit. Told my dad, "Thank you so much for you know the opportunities so far, but I'm going to go alone. I'm going to do my own thing." And that's when I started the the call center business. And uh, again, it's a long story. Um, I wrote about it in my book, but essentially scaled it up. And then got to a point where I was, um, I outsourced the, everything in the business because I, I'm, bottom line is, I'm lazy, right? <laughs> and so I hate doing things. And so because I'm lazy, I ended up just always delegating everything. So, you know, I didn't want to do the, you know, the chasing money like from the client. So I hired someone to just, you know, ch- to chase the clients. I, I hired a, a outsourced a guy called Andy who still works for me today. This is eight years ago. Uh, and then, you know, I didn't want to do, you know, sales. So I outsourced that and I outsourced the client uh, relationships because I hated dealing with clients and I outsourced hiring and firing staff. And then in, in the end, I actually outsourced the entire business to one of my competitors. Um, the business still belongs to me, the clients belong to me, the brand is my brand. But they I, they essentially became my back end. And so everything, uh, they took care of all the deliverables. And I was left at a point where I wasn't doing anything. And I didn't need to do anything because everything was being done. So I'm driving in, in England and it's raining as usual. And I thought to myself, why the heck am I living in a cold rainy, you know, uh, town when I could live anywhere I want. And that's when I kind of drove home and um, I, and at the time we had three children, I said, honey, uh, why don't we move to Israel? And she's like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's nice weather. You know, it's like it, literally it's, it's warm here, you know, 10 months of the year. So, um, so that's why we moved here and we're Jewish. So it makes sense. And we're really happy. We've been in now four years.
0: That's awesome, man. That's, that's it's such a, a not. I've not. I've not been. I mean, I'm oh, like, oh, I might go two years. Oh yeah. I, yeah, I gotta take advantage of that uh that birthright Israel thing. You know, you do. Uh, yeah. I like. I What is it like free? Or, you know, to yeah. to go. Yep, yeah, it's like, free to go, dude. Yeah, All if right. If you I'm
1: gonna... Jewish, then it's they do a free trip. Literally, everything's free.
0: Yeah, okay. I got to I I'm 100% taking advantage of that uh very soon and I will I'll, I'll hit you up Danny. It's a, it's very small, right? Like, you know, and if I were to go anywhere in there, I mean, you'd be relatively close, right?
1: Uh you could drive from one side of Israel to the other in about 6 hours, 5 hours, 6 hours. Oh,
0: okay. Got you. I thought you were going to say <laughs> like 45 minutes.
1: <laughs> no, come on, man. It's not a freaking island. <laughs> it's not <laughs> <still> a country. <laughs> No, but I mean, look, put it this way. Jerusalem and Tel Aviv are the most well-known cities, right? And they're only 45 minutes apart. You know, Um, it's really, really small. It's really small. Mm. Yeah. I I I feel like... If I'm not mistaken, I think it's the same size as New Jersey. Uh, Okay, okay.
0: It might might be relatively close. It might be like three hours to go across New
1: Jersey. I'm not sure, but anyway, I mean, yeah, I I think it's about four hours to go from one end to the other.
0: Yeah, I think so. Dude, I'm I'm like surprised. You know how how, I've never talked like openly about me being Jewish before. I think like because I used to when I I don't know if the same was for you um, because you didn't actually grow up in Israel. Like you know, me growing up in America, I would get made fun of. In you know, in grade school, for being Jewish, man, it was like it was just so stupid and trivial mm-hmm. that people could make fun of you for that. Did you ever get made fun of?
1: I went to a Jewish school. I got made fun ah. of for other reasons. I got made fun of because I was ugly and because I was stupid and because of many other reasons. Um, oh um, man, brutally, ugly?
0: dude, you're you're a sharp man, dude. Are you kidding me? uh
1: Well, when I was 12 and 13 and 14 and 15 i was very uh disproportional you know um (laughs) i had a mole on my face i had like a a big mole that had hair growing out of it so uh which i ended up freezing off um i had um teeth that came out a mile long uh ended up getting braces uh, so I was I was also the first person to get braces in my class so I was the first one so I you know they they took advantage of that one uh, I was very skinny and tall and lanky um, I was also kept down a grade because I didn't behave very well so they kept me down and then you know everyone called me dumb and said that the reason why they kept me down was because I just was stupid um so yeah I got made fun of a lot Uh but it really built me. It built me into the person that I am today. So um to all those bullies out there, thank you so much. Really appreciate you.
0: Hey, Uh, I I hit I'll hit the retweet on that. That's good.
1: (laughs) In terms of the Jewish thing, um, I'm very proud of being Jewish. Um, and actually, I think that when you're when you're made fun of or when you're bullied for something, um rather than hiding away and running away from it, you should stand taller and you should actually say, do you know what? I'm actually proud of this. I'm proud of who I am. Um, You know, my biggest inspiration and, you know, it's funny because I've interviewed so many high profile uh, people and of all the people that I've interviewed, none of them are the biggest, my biggest inspiration. My biggest inspiration is actually my grandfather. Um, My grandfather was, in the Holocaust. So, you know, you might have been, you know, abused and and bullied for being Jewish. Uh, And my grandfather was not just bullied, um, but he watched his parents and his siblings all get shot and murdered in front of him for being Jewish. Um, He was in 18 concentration camps for being Jewish. He was shot and buried alive and he was hung twice um and he survived and when he came out he had nothing i mean when i say nothing i mean literally now, i'm not talking about low wi-fi or like a low battery on his cell phone i'm talking about like, <laughs> like really like no money no he didn't speak the language he didn't have any family or friends or anything um He rebuilt himself and ended up moving to Switzerland and got married and decided that he was gonna build a family. Uh, He became a multimillionaire um, by doing, uh, he was trading currencies and he gave away most of his money to charity. He lived in the same small apartment his whole life. um, And he ended up buying a hotel just because he wanted to serve people. That's all he wanted to do his whole life was serve people. And so he was always there ready to greet, you know, his guests and with a huge smile. He always had a smile on his face. You would never know what he went through in his life. And you know, he you would <laughs> when I used to go visit him in his hotel, he would um I'd say, Where's Saba? We call him Saba, because that's what a grandfather is in Hebrew. Like, where's Saba? Like, he's in the kitchen. He was always in the kitchen, cooking, cutting the vegetables, making sure the food was all, you know, good for, it's like, that's how he lived his life. He lived his his life, you know, serving, um, and he was a proud Jew and his whole, you know, his whole family, uh, was, uh, you know, essentially, I wouldn't be alive today if he, if he would have died, if he didn't keep going, um, He's a very very special person you know i I'll, I'll tell you I'll share one one story that I found out uh, only a couple of months ago because he passed away um a few years ago uh, and my father my father who he, he was my father's father my father told me this story that he heard from someone who um stayed with my grandfather and my grandfather shared this story with him basically um in the holocaust you they were starving like they barely gave them any food. And my grandfather found this this piece of bread and it was very rare to find food. And so when you found it, it was it was like you, you really held on to it. And so he held on to this piece of bread and he put it inside his, his jacket and he kept it as an emergency. And he told himself that he would not touch this piece of bread unless he was literally on his last, like he couldn't survive. Like it, that was it, right? His last breath, that would be his... He would be able to, you know, keep going. And one day, he was in the fields working, digging, and um, and he sees a, a a man faint on the floor. And so he walks over to him, uh, which is already risking his life because if you moved out of position, they you know you could be risk getting shot. Um, and he bent over and he and he asked this man if he was okay. And the man looked up at my grandfather and said, I can't go on anymore. I'm, I can't, I can't do it. I, I've got no more strength. I've got no more energy. I just leave me here, just leave me, you know. And my grandfather without even hesitation, he took that piece of bread out of his pocket and he gave it to this man and saved his life. He risked his own life to save another. Um, yeah, my grandfather, my biggest inspiration.
0: Of all the lessons that he taught you, what is the greatest? Is it was it to simply to serve?
1: Yeah, um, I would say to to serve others to live. That's how he was able to live. You know, people think people say, "How can he have lived with those with the demons?" I mean, you you think about if people go to war and 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 they're not a prisoner that they, and they've got they have serious you know, PTSD issues. You know you. There's so many, people have so many problems and people, and and, and really, they suffer from, you know, and my grandfather, you, you wonder how, how was it that he could just go on, like, keep going, you know, and I really strongly believe that there were two things that kept him going. One was that he didn't think about himself. He just thought about other people. When you think about yourself so then you're so focused on yourself that all the all your problems are just always there because you're just thinking about you but when you when you focus on other people and you help other people then your problems don't exist because you can't see them because you're not focused on them you're you're looking outward how can i help that person and the other thing that that i think really helped him was that he refused to give up on his faith and who he was as a person as a jew and no matter what they did to him they beat him they starved him they murdered his family but they couldn't touch his faith they couldn't touch that that was untouchable
0: Mm. isn't it interesting that some of the lessons that he taught you you know how can i be of service to others kind of relates all the way back to you know translates to your philosophy on networking and how you communicate with people, Daniel, what we were talking about at the top of this interview, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm way more selfish. I mean, (laughs) I think about myself (laughs) a lot. So, I mean like, yes, I do take that from him and, and, you know, you know, my biggest, uh, you know, biggest, my biggest goal in life is to, is to become more selfless and more giving. And, you know, I, I, I've worked very hard on myself because it's not natural for me. Um, I've always been very selfish. I've always been very into me, 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 I, 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 you know, ego. Um, And, you know, thank, thank God I have, I have good friends that keep me in check, you know, when I get to, when I get too arrogant, they, they knock me down. And especially my wife, she's very good at that. <laughs> my wife makes sure that she uh, keeps me humble. Um, and, and also my children, you know, my children will find all my cracks and flaws and they'll be like, oh, but daddy, you, you did this and you said that. And I'm like, oh, great, here we go. So, um, <laughs> but yeah. Totally, man.
0: Next pivot, your book about self-help addicts what who is a self-help addict what is that
1: ah uh, uh so the self-help addict first of all it's me uh that's why i wrote it um i, <laughs> <laughs> um, I was always addicted to self-help always addicted to um you know self-improvement self-development <laughs> and you know i would just read so many books and i found myself constantly consuming and consuming and consuming whether it was you know reading or watching you know webinars or seminars or, or YouTube videos motivational stuff uh, going to events you know listening to audios um, but but not doing anything with it so there was all this information that I was taking in and consuming but I wasn't putting out you know, I wasn't converting it into anything. I was just taking it in. So, essentially, I became, you know, I guess, emotionally and mentally obese, right? The thing is, is that, like, physically, when you eat too much and you don't do exercise, so you can see, it's very clear. You look in the mirror, you could see that you're fat. You're overweight, right? Um, but people who are emotionally obese or mentally obese, you don't see that. And... And so what happens is is similar to physical obesity, what happens when you eat too much and you don't exercise, your body slows down. You become heavy, you become slow, you become tired. You know, everything's a struggle. Mental obesity and emotional obesity is very much the same. When your brain has too much information and you're not converting it, you're not doing anything with that information, then you, your brain becomes heavy and slow and everything becomes a struggle and it becomes too overwhelming. And it's almost like this vicious cycle because the heavier you are or the more overwhelmed you are, the less action you can take, right? It's like uh, someone who's physically obese, it's this vicious cycle where they need to go for a run, but they're so overweight that they can't run, right? That's what self-help addiction looks like.
0: So it's like information overload. Information and,
1: overload. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Would you? you know, I read every day, and I listen to podcasts every day. Yeah. But I think it's wrong with that. Yeah. Would yeah. But I think, I think it's abundantly day. clear that I take action. Absolutely. And, right. Like, so, so you're not uh, you're not necessarily advocating like you know be ignorant, right?
1: Well, that would be like saying don't eat. Oh true. Right? You have to eat. Uh, we, we we die if we don't eat, right? If you if you don't learn, you die, right? Not physically, but you but you die mentally, right? If you don't if you're not sharpening your brain, if you're not taking information in, if you're not learning, you are you're 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 gonna you are you you are going gonna basically have no information and you you know, um you have to eat, you have to consume, you have to take in, but it's when you just don't convert it when you don't do anything with it that's the issue of course i read every day uh, you 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 probably see me posting about the latest book i read a book a week okay and but the difference is is when i read now i don't just read and then go to the next book i read and i take notes and then i take actions on those notes and sometimes here's what i'll do as well is i won't wait till i get to the end of the book or even the end of the chapter. If I feel like I want to take action on something, or there's something that I should do about this, I will stop, I will bookmark the page, and then I will go and do something about it. If I'm listening to a podcast and I think, oh my God, i got such a great idea, pause the podcast and then go take some action. You're watching a YouTube video and it's really motivational. Don't wait till the end of it. Stop right there and then go and do something. Because what I found... Paris is that when we are in heat, we're more likely to go and take action. But when we cool off, then we don't take action. So, as an example, um, I remember when I was watching a movie uh, about a father and son. It was very emotional. And the whole movie was basically about the father and son having this you know, bad relationship, and, and the father wanted to win back his son, right? And by the end of the movie, he, he ends up winning him back and they basically, they embrace and I just break down crying. Yeah, because it's emotional and the music's playing and the whole story and, you, and I had a really rough relationship with my father growing up. You know, he was uh, emotionally, uh, I say numb, right? He didn't know how to, how to really give love because his father was a Holocaust survivor and so his father didn't know how to give love. And so my father was just, he it's not that he didn't want to, but he just didn't know how. And in that moment, I felt like I really should call my father. I should call him. I should tell him I love him. I should just speak to him. Uh, but I didn't. Instead, I, I just kind of let the music play and then let the credits roll and then the movie finished. And the next thing I know, uh you know i'm scrolling my facebook feed and i'm distracted and then, then i've called off and the next day i don't have that burning desire anymore in contrast a couple of months later i was at a workshop it was a relationship workshop and the person giving the workshop was was specifically talking about fathers and sons because he had a, a this whole thing with his father and again um, I'm in the workshop and I start crying and I start thinking I've got to call my father. So I left the workshop, I pick up my phone, and I took action in the heat of the moment. And I called up my dad and I and I basically I said to him, I know that you that you tried to have a relationship with me, and I understand that that you found it very difficult. And I want you to know that I wouldn't trade you for anyone else. And I want you to know that I love you and and that it would mean the world to me if you were to just call me one time just to say that you loved me for no nothing else. And he turned around to me and he said to me, No, I can't do that. Like I just I just don't know how to do that. And I said to him, I believe in you. And that was it, and we hung up. And, you know, a couple of days later, I'm playing tennis and my phone rings. I remember it was a Friday afternoon and I see it's my dad. And I got a shock because my dad only calls me if there's like an emergency, like someone died or something really bad has happened. That's the only time he'll call me. And so I was freaking out. Oh, my God. And I quickly grabbed the phone. I pick it up. And he says, I love you. And I almost like, like I just, well, I basically broke down. But the point is, is that since then, that opened up the door and we've been communicating and we we have a relationship. But that only happened because I took action in the heat of the moment. I didn't let the time pass. I didn't wait. You've got to take action when you're in the heat of the moment. That's the key. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I find that everything... In, in my life as well, has every, all the good things have come from deciding without hesitation. Because the more time I have to think about it, and a lot of people, more time I have to think about it, the more likely I am to overthink it and blow it, man. You know? yeah. So I relate to that. Now, Daniel, the last thing that I want to talk about is you have a lot of clients. And I want to sort of sort of get at um how you convert these clients how to convert these people into paying clients you have this uh you have a business where you get people booked on podcasts like really you know you have some high profile clients some really incredible clients and you have a lot of them uh i'm just wondering as to your acquisition and your processes there if you're open to talking about that
1: well i'm an open book you can ask me whatever you want um uh the truth is I, I really like to keep things super simple because the more you overcomplicate things, the more more things can go wrong. Um, for me, it really comes down to um, becoming an authority in your space. So you you want to choose your space, whatever it is, whatever your thing is. For me, it's, it's podcast booking, right? It's getting people booked on high-quality podcasts and you want to position yourself as the number one authority and the way to do that is to really be getting yourself out there like just getting yourself out there and talking about that specific topic um and it takes time again you have to build up the reputation it's all about building reputation and it's also about being laser focused like really focused one of my biggest um things that i struggled with was I was always all over the place. I've always been very tempted to just jump on the next thing. Like a friend of mine says, oh, I've got this really good idea. And I'm like, wow, let's do that. And then like someone's like, hey, can you know, I've got this great idea. And let's do that. Oh, yeah, let's do that. Or I'll wake up in the morning and I'll have three different ideas for different businesses. And I'll be like, oh, let me do this. Let me do that. And when I started just being laser focused on one thing and being really good at that, that was a total game changer for me. Um, What also really helped for me was, again, building my network because it's not so much what you know, but it's more who you know, right? Because the people that you connect yourself with and the people that you associate yourself with, people then have this perception of you. They have this perceived value. So when someone gets on a call with me now, they've seen me with all these other big influencers, so they associate me with them. And they also perceive me as an expert because every time they see me, I'm talking about this, being a guest on podcasts. And I'm also going on podcasts. I've been on almost 100 podcasts. So they've seen me on so many you know, high quality podcast shows and they're like, wow, this guy's like on all the podcasts, right? And he's getting other people on podcasts. So you keep building and building and building and building until you just become the number one authority in your space and then you attract the right people. See, we attract the people that essentially we attract, right? That's the bottom line. You attract the people that you attract. If you're putting out a certain type of uh, energy or if you're 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 playing in a certain uh, i guess you know at a certain level, you're going to attract the people in that at that level. That's just how it works. It's like I said, it's like the game. Um, you know, it's like my son. He's 11 now, and he plays chess. I got him into chess, and what's uh, what was what was amazing was that I remember the first time he checkmated me. Uh, he was 10, and it was a real. It wasn't like I didn't try to. I didn't give him anything away. Like I, I was playing, and I'm really good, and I'm very competitive. And so when he put me in checkmate, I was shocked. I was like, "Oh my god, what?" And I was so proud of him, right? <laughs> but now like he checks me he basically beats me most most times like when I, when we play he beats me he's better than me now okay which is very humbling and now when he beats me it's like really frustrating i'm like what oh man i can't keep losing to this 11 year old it's annoying right the point is is that when he first started he would play with the, his friends in class because that was his level but now he doesn't play with his friends in class when he plays chess it's boring for him to play with his friends so he plays now online and he plays people who are ranked his level. So the higher, the more you start playing the game and you unlock the next level and you get to the next level, next level, you will start playing with those, those players, people who are ranked, you know, close to you. And sometimes you could play with people higher, but they're they're, going to be maybe one level, two level above you. You it's very hard to, to find someone who's gonna want to play with you when they're 10 levels above you. Cause that's just how the game is played. Like just like I'm not gonna play someone who's an amateur in chess who it's gonna be really easy for me to be because it's just it's not gonna be interesting, right? And also in the real world, right, of business, if you can't give me the value that I can give you, it's not fair, right? And people might say, oh, but that's really, you know, no, it's 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 the way it is. Like, you've got to be able to give before you receive. That's just, I've worked uh, for the last three years building my network. I've spent a lot of time and energy building what I've built. And if you're just starting out and you want to expect to get from me without you having built anything and uh, or value to be able to offer me, then... That's just not fair. It's a one-way street. So just play the game, build yourself up, become a number one authority in your space, and you'll see that you're going to attract the right people, and they're going to they're going to pay you for it, right? I charge a premium. I'm I'm the most expensive podcast booking agency in the world for a reason, uh, because I've
0: good. You're either the best or the cheapest, man.
1: Well, right, Absolutely. Yeah. You you either have to be the most expensive or the cheapest. If you're in the middle, it's it's a really not it's not a great place to be because that's where most people are
0: yeah i agree man makes a lot of sense i use the same philosophy in my own business as well so daniel people can find you on linkedin daniel geffen on linkedin people can go to your website danielgeffen.com and your book is on
1: amazon it's called the self it's called the self-help addict right Self-help addict. yeah and daniel geffen by the way is with one f a lot of people think it's with two but it's with one f um yeah, and Geffen Media Group is the name of the, the company um, and uh, they can also check out my podcast. It's called Can I Pick Your Brain? On They can go on iTunes or wherever they're listening to this, they can subscribe to Can I Pick Your Brain.
0: Awesome. I will have that in the description of the episode and in, of course, in the show notes. Now Daniel, I have to acknowledge you for two things. Number one, you're a great storyteller, and I always appreciate someone who's a great storyteller. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation because you're a great storyteller. And number two, I need to acknowledge you for being a man of action because, as we know, the goddess of good luck favors men of action, and that's you. So I want to acknowledge and thank you for that, Daniel Geffen.
1: Thank you very much, Paris. Appreciate that. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um so my my final question for you is hmm? uh, if you could teach a course at a university a course of your creation or otherwise
1: Hold where, on one second children i, I just realized yeah. i keep calling you paris but that's your last <laughs> name <laughs> yeah
0: you know what i kind of i noticed you said it earlier but right. i think you started saying it because i called yeah. i called myself paris i was like you
1: yourself I said, Paris. i
0: said i i said no i only said it because that's what like that, that's what people at college sometimes will call I me that, right? I
1: mean, i'm thinking <laughs> but it's just funny that i'm calling you paris your name's jordan um anyway yeah,
0: yeah I, I was using it with the uh with the networking example like paris can you introduce i said that and i was yeah, and then absolutely. you said i can't i can't blame him on that but yeah yeah my, my final question if you could teach a course at a university a course of your creation or otherwise what would that course be
1: um i guess it would be how to get booked on podcasts um because right now podcasting is the number one way to really build um, your authority status and that's what i'm all about i'm all about building authority uh, and getting massive attention and right now the the best place to get massive attention is on podcasts um so actually i haven't done a course yet on it. Like I haven't created a course, but what I have done is I have created uh, a little guide. So actually your audience can can grab that. Uh, they can go to podcastguestsuccess.com. That's podcastguestsuccess.com. And they can get the, gu- the guide for free over there.
0: Awesome. That will be in the show notes as well. Now, Daniel Geffen, you're the man. Thank you. And thank you everybody for listening. This has been your host, Jordan Paris. There you have it, my friends. This has been another episode of the Growth Mindset University podcast. Now, if you enjoyed this one today, I would really appreciate it if you could leave us a quick five-star rating in iTunes. All you have to do is grab your iPhone or iPad, open up the Apple Podcast app, hit the search tab, search the show, Growth Mindset University, or just search my name, Jordan Paris. Tap the show, scroll all the way to the bottom and then just hit that fifth star and that helps us tremendously in ways that you could never even imagine it means the absolute world to me when people do this I would be eternally grateful if you do that we're pushing a hundred ratings right now and it's really making a difference for this show and of course If you've not already subscribed to the show, just make sure you do that wherever you're listening to so that you don't miss that next episode. I know you're not going to want to miss it. And you only heard this episode today because I thought it was valuable enough to post here. So if you want to share that value with your friends, your family, go ahead and do that. Share this episode with them. Take a screenshot. Send it to them. Take a screenshot. Put it on your Instagram story and tag me at J underscore Paris underscore, so that I know you're listening and I can get back to you and put a face to the name. Now, if you're ready to really take your life to the next level, my book is on Amazon. It is also called Growth Mindset University. It's all about how to learn anything, how to take control of your life, and how to fulfill your vision of success. And you're not just supporting me and this channel by getting this book, but you're also getting... This awesome book that's going to lay out the rules and principles to design your life full of joy and fulfillment. All right. I love you all so very much. And until next time, my friends, make every day count, live to learn, and grow to give.